Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 127, which is the first of a three-part, three-year anniversary special. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, three years I've been doing this show now. I cannot believe it. 126 numbered episodes, like four others, 130 episodes, but episode number 127 is today. And what I thought I'd do is revisit my first three episodes. Now, I launched March 18th of 2014 with three episodes on the same day because I wanted you to come to the site and see that, hey, there's not just one episode, there's three. And we're legit, and we're going to put out shows every single week. And so, because it was three episodes, and because we're at three years, I thought, you know what? Let's revisit those first three episodes. We've come a long way since then. And what's interesting to me is that I spend so much time talking about beginnings. One of the things I like to say about this show is we're half origin story, half shop talk, and that's largely true. So we talk about beginnings and how we got started and how we got to where we are a lot. But we so rarely get to talk about endings. And endings are probably equally as important as beginnings, and sometimes even more so. Because we don't always know how to deal with endings. Endings are tough. I mean, talk to anyone who writes a joke or writes a sketch or writes a movie. Nailing the ending is probably the hardest part. And so on this three-year anniversary special, I looked at who I had. Episode three was Jason Calloway, Bird. And we'll get to him. We'll get to him in episode 129. Cindy Sovine, episode 128. She was episode two originally. Episode one was Mike Gone. Mike Gunn passed away a year and a half ago. I believe he's the only episode, the only guest that I've had who is no longer with us. And I thought, what am I going to do here? And so I reached out to his partner in life and in business, Jeff Julin. And I wasn't sure if Jeff was going to be up for this. Because when I spoke to him initially, he was giving me some short answers. He was a little bit quick off the phone. And I thought, eh, I don't think he's going to do it. But he called me back. He sent me a text, I think, and we met for coffee and we talked about it. And he eventually seemed like he was up for it because he thought it might be therapeutic. And when you listen to this week's show, I think that's exactly what you get. I mean, this was therapeutic for both of us. Jeff was talking through how you move on when your partner is gone. And I think he has a really great perspective on it. And Mike and Jeff and MGA, the firm that they founded, along with Cricket Smith, who Cricket does not get nearly enough love in this episode. And Cricket is the glue of MGA. She always was. I mean, she made sure we were running. Uh, we could come to her with problems. She she was behind the scenes, basically in the bowels of the ship rowing all the time, keeping us going forward. It was amazing. So just right up front, I'd like to give some love to Cricket as well. But Jeff is obviously sad that Mike is gone. I think we're all sad that Mike is gone. But the insight that he has and what he's gained over that time is definitely worth sharing. So I'm intensely grateful to Jeff for being willing to be on the show, to share these experiences. They're still very raw. And it's weird. I did not expect all three of these episodes, so stay tuned for episodes 128 and 129, to have the melancholy feel that they do. But you know what? I don't know what I'm getting 
whenever I start an interview with someone. I never know what's going to come up, and that's what makes the show so rewarding. So thank you for allowing me to be into your life, for letting me into your car, into your earphones, wherever you listen to this show. I'm very grateful because these stories, I think, are worth telling, and they're worth hearing. So I'm not going to plug anything. This is the three-year anniversary. You know where to find us. Uh, I may plug it in the back part of this episode, but for now, let's listen to Jeff Julin. This is episode 127. It is the first of three parts of a special anniversary show. Three years we've been on the air. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this show. Jeff Julin, thank you for being the guest on episode 127. And let's get to it. Jeff Julin, three-year anniversary, episode 127. It starts right now. necessarily it's not necessary i just and i get why people don't like new year's right but we had a tradition and we did the same thing every year and went to barolo and it was fun and yeah stayed too late and partied with the staff <laughs> so oh man the staff party is always like that's the party you want to be at mm-hmm. yeah it was fun well it's fun when until I, I went by myself and that wasn't so much fun but oh well sure because then i felt like a an old person hanging around the <laughs> the old guy at the club. It's really it's too weird. So. Yeah, no, that uh, that is true. I was thinking back to when I started at MGA. You guys had me do four interviews before you eventually gave me a job offer because I was coming on to big project we had. Uh, it was through Shell, and we were looking. You guys were looking to add team, and is you're looking. The- it was mahogany. I was gonna say happy mahogany. Um, and I I had been working on oil shale through a different firm. And so I, I ended up being a right fit for it. But what's funny is I thought about the way you interviewed me and, you know, I, I come in, I, I have sort of like my, almost like my manual in my head of the proper way to interview and all that and things you're supposed to do. And so I have my little pad of paper out and I ask you guys questions and I'm taking notes and you lean over, you're like, what are you writing? <laughs> and I remember going, what is he doing? And you were, I think your official title was president, right? Mm-hmm. And Mike was chairman. And I, d- I actually did an interview with Mike, but I told you about it later, and you, you said to me, you're like, I intentionally do that. I try and throw people off their game. And do you remember this at all? Like, mm-hmm. uh, But I hardly remember last week, so. Uh, that's a good point. Um, but it was funny because you said the PR world and dealing with clients is often unpredictable, and they will say things that, that kick you off your axis, you know, because you go in be, being prepared for one thing, and then often that's not what you get when you talk to them. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that the people I hire have that ability to to sort of recalibrate and readjust to different personality types. So I'm intentionally not confrontational, mm-hmm. but but you were a little bit um, hard to pin down. And it was one of the stranger interviews I had, and I left, and I remember thinking, I have no idea how I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how that went. I got a pretty good read because it was you and Jennifer Watson interviewing mm-hmm. me together. And I got a pretty good read on her, but she's very sort of, you know, here's who I am. And, yeah. she, you know, she's very smiley and engaged. And you were evasive. You know, you were I, – I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I remember leaving going, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, when, when we talked about it later – uh, I thought, okay, there was definitely a method to his madness in that. Uh, and, and it was good because 
client work was unpredictable and I'd never been sort of face to face with a client. My previous experience was I was more behind the scenes, you know, I was more support staff and a lot of firms are wired that way. But you all, I mean, you all put, we had a very young staff Mm -hmm. and you all put us in front of the client a lot, which was really helpful. I mean, was that intentional? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going to be an agency person, if you have to wait two or three years to get in front of the client, that's a long time not to get experience in it. Yeah. Not to get at bats. That's not fun. No. I mean, it, it can be tough. And my agency experience was much different than a lot of people I heard working for different firms because I, I told them, I'm like, look, I'm the account lead on these accounts. And they go, you're already account lead. And I said, yeah, you know, a lot of it's sort of, it's you get into the deep end and learn how to swim. And I always thought that was really cool, especially in retrospect, because I got so much of that really good experience early. Did you, did that ever backfire for you guys? Was that ever tough? Or did people jump in terms of putting somebody out before they were ready? Yeah. Like did, did that ever come back and bite you? Did clients ever say, who is this person managing my account? Uh, or, you know, did, did people ever fail to rise to the occasion? Well, that would have to be a yes. (laughs) Right. Of course. Well, yeah, without slandering um, anyone, but I never recall having anyone say that's not true. I do recall one person who that's not what they said, but it's what they meant. Right. That's the only time off the top of my head that I can think of that it was delicately stated that I needed to be there more often. Okay, I got you. I trusted the person who was I don't know whatever account title was. I trusted her more than I should have. Hmm. Well, it's bound to happen. I mean, but if you can only think of one time, and how long, how long, when did you found MGA? When did, when did you and Mike start MGA? MGA was started in uh, 88. Okay. So, I mean, geez, what, 30 plus years? Mm-hmm. 35 years? Something, something like, like that? that. Yeah. Okay. So, sitting here with Jeff Julin, and we are in your home, of which uh, we've had holiday parties here. We have. Yeah. And sorry, I took down the decorations. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It, 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 we are recording this in March. So, uh, probably well, for the, it was time to, I beat last year, last year they were, I think they were still up at, uh, St. Patrick's day, but okay. This year I got them down before, uh, Valentine's day. So you go, Hey, the tree is green, right? And it's St. Patrick's day. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. But we're talking with you because as I'm doing my third anniversary show, episode number one was Mike gone. And Mike was very intentionally my first guest because MGA is responsible for so much of my professional development. And this show is focused on what people do, how they do it, how they got successful. And Mike plays and you and MGA played such a huge role in my professional development. So I chose Mike. Mike unfortunately passed away. And when was that? August 25th, 2015. Okay. So year and a half, approximately? about a year and a half. Okay. And as I was looking back on my first three shows, it's it's funny. And as I started reaching out to guests, episode two was Cindy Silvine Miller, who has pivoted a, a couple of times in her career. Episode three was Jason Calloway, who Rooster and Moon has now closed. And so as I look back on episode one, I hesitated even reaching out to you just because this is still pretty raw. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And 
I remember I called you and I, I didn't know what your reaction was going to be. And we had a very short conversation. I told you sort of what I wanted to do. And you said, let me think about it. And I thought, I don't think he's going to go for this. Um, but we got together last week and we had coffee and we talked about it some more and you said, yeah, let's do it. What ultimately led you to be willing to chat with me, uh, three years after my first episode and a year and a half after Mike has passed? Probably because it's, I think it is a good story given what you're looking at and looking for and the the things you do. And I thought perhaps it might be therapeutic for me too. Right. Are you, do you intentionally or... Not intentionally, but do you avoid sort of reflecting on this too much? Do you? No. 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 Do you embrace it? I dream about MGA a lot. Okay. <laughs> a whole lot. Um, like, so, like still in there. So you dream about it like at night or are you talking about no, that? At night. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. What are those dreams like? Kind of like going to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're odd because they're, uh, I'm working on projects and doing this and that and the other thing and I, I'm not quite, there's, there's no thread to it. It's, they're just circumstances right. and little stories. So they're interesting, but there's, I have, I haven't discerned any kind of message from above or larger theme or larger, anything. Uh-uh. No, but it's, it tells me something about that part of my life and, yeah, you know, and some of them are really good and some of them aren't so good and. Well, I, are, are you placed in any particular era of MGA? Because MGA went through a lot of evolutions. No. It, um, no, it's kind of all over the place. Okay. Different people, different circumstance. And they're generally not, it's not a dream about something that happened. Okay. It's some, it, it may be associated with it somewhere, but my recollection anyway is that there are situations that I'm thinking why am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. So when you wake up, what is your feeling after having these dreams? It depends. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a good memory feeling. It's not, oh gosh, I remember that day. It was so great and whatnot. Because again, they're not really specific to yeah. anything. And sometimes they're, um, sometimes, man, I would wring their neck if they ever did that. But <laughs> <laughs> so some, some of them aren't so good, but some of them are. Okay. Well, I, I remember when we had coffee before we talked, uh, one of the things that you mentioned was over the course of this last year and a half, uh, MGA also closed, mm-hmm. right? When did that close? Right. Uh, December 31st, 2015. Okay. So a couple of months afterward. And you mentioned to me that at one point you thought to yourself, wow, I should probably mourn this too. Yep. Right. Did you not take time to really sort of mourn the loss of MGA? Uh, or it's closing because I mean, that's no, I didn't. Is that because it happened fairly soon after Mike? I'm not sure. Actually, I, I didn't, you know, a, a closing is even if it's what you want to do and it's the right thing to do, it's still, you don't have a champagne celebration for it. And so you just right. kind of do it and you move on. Yeah. And I had plenty of other things cause my mother had died like a month before that. So, um, I had plenty of things to think about. So your mother died like in November or October of yeah, my father died in June of 2015, Mike in August. Oh my God. And my mother in December of 2015. And then MGA closed. Uh-huh. Good. So I had plenty to think about. Good Lord, Jeff. Uh, I, that, that feels like in the abstract because I've never had anything like that happen to me, 
like too much? I mean, how, how did you get through it? I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time. Yeah. And I have, I have good friends. I have a good family. And so that helps. And you're keeping yourself busy, right? I mean, you, you started your own consulting firm. You know, mm-hmm. you're, it's sort of just you solo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing some work through that, right? Uh-huh. A little bit. Okay. Uh, more so when I first started and less so now. And I think that some good friend, I'm sure, uh, told me that they, they had heard the second year was worse than the first. Mm. And so I haven't decided if it was a uh, suggestion, so I made it that way, or that person was right. Because <laughs> I would have to say the second year is more difficult. What about the second year is more difficult? Well, funny you should ask. I, was, I actually finally went to talk to a grief person after all this time. And when did you do that? Oh, uh, last week. Last week? Wow. No, actually this week, I guess it was, but okay, just a little bit ago. Yeah. And, um, I have to think how she described it. And I thought, yeah, that is it. The, the first year, particularly with that number of things, there's lots to do for one thing. Sure. Because I was the executor for my parents. So I had all that to take care of. I had business things to take care of with MGA and starting up and, so there was a lot of activity, I guess. A lot of administrative type yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, right? that you have to think about and you have to kind of move forward. And then you get to the second year and you don't have to do that and it starts to become very real. Yeah. And um, I guess it would probably be that. It'd be, it starts to become, you know, this isn't just a, a year-long trauma. This is what life is now. This is the new reality. Yeah. I would say that's probably it. Okay. I mean, that makes sense because for a while you can almost distract yourself with the rote administrative tasks because that yeah, and, and if they're, you know, they they could have taken a long trip and they're going to come back, but by the second year they're not coming back. And yeah. So I think it's partly that. And so what, what have you found to be successful in terms of coping strategies for anyone who faces something like this? If they're listening to us talking right now and you know, you said, you'll let us know when you get through it, right? Mm-hmm. But you are, I mean, not not to not to be glib about this, but one thing you expressed to me was that life does go on, which is weird. And as uncomfortable and mm-hmm. as unpleasant as it may be, the world does keep on spinning and you still got to get up and do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. what, what, what would you say has been most successful in terms of putting one foot in front of the other? You know, it's an interesting question because, um, see if I can articulate this in any understandable way, that is that one step in front of the other thing is an, an old adage. And, right. and it's true. I mean, you just have to. I mean, I mean, you have to keep going forward, hopefully. Well, yeah. I mean, there. what's the alternative? Right? Yeah. But um, you can't just keep walking forward and not stop and think about what's happened, who you are, how does this define you, does it define you? And I I think that's probably the most difficult part, and maybe in some respects an exciting part, If you once you get there to that part, that you are defined differently now. You know, I, um, and I've said this many times, I was Mike and Jeff so long, I don't even know to some degree what just Jeff is. Um, Right. And that's a little overstated, but and I think you can appreciate that, you know, with your wife and your children and whatnot. That is, that is in large part who you are today. Well, sure. And Jeff, I, I would, 
I would make the point that, you know, you're Mike and Jeff for so long because not only were you partners, but you were also business partners mm-hmm. together. And yeah. so, I mean, your entire lives were intertwined much more so yeah. than some couples, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. some couples, it's like one mm-hmm. person sells insurance yeah. and the other person is an artist yeah. or something. So their professional lives yeah. are quite diverged. Whereas the two of you mm-hmm. were quite intertwined. Absolutely. And I think the thing that, that helps me is that I was incredibly lucky. Somehow lucky doesn't sound like enough. Mm-hmm. Blessed is maybe a better word. It was a great union in every way. Did we have our moments? Sure. Everybody does. But, uh, what a dear friend, what a dear partner, what a great business partner, what a bright man. What um, I learned so much from him because yeah. you know, our age difference was somewhat substantial, I guess. Sure. But very lucky. So I can't complain. Huh. I can't sit around and go, oh, what was me? You know, how do, why did this happen to me? And, yeah. and I've never really felt that at all because, I, again, I've, I've been very fortunate. And do I wish he was here? Sure. Yeah. But uh, – Oddly, going through my parents, who were in their, they were 90, I guess, when they died, and they had the more common experience now with old people having a really rough time in their last couple of years. Mm. And I can't say Mike's health was great, but he never went through that. And from my experience, <clears throat> I'd much rather do that route hmm. than have that long slog at the end where your right. health is horrible and um you know that a lot of people think you know that's part of a blessing of life too that you can give back to your parents and things like that and i suppose that's true but i don't know i, I think <laughs> that Conrad's voting for the uh the end, end of life end thing. of life thing i think it's one of the smarter things we've done as voters so you're in favor of that absolutely in fact i don't think it goes far enough but huh uh but that's a whole nother discussion, probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's a very contentious issue. And people have very strong opinions on both sides about mm-hmm. that. And I found that the opinions generally, and I mean, this is purely anecdotal. I don't have any statistics to back this up. But just based on my own experience, the people who have gone through something like this with people at the end of their life are the ones who are strongestly or most strongly in favor of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that says, but if you're looking for insight, the people who have been through it right. rather than the people who are almost speaking out of school mm-hmm. uh, are the folks that you should listen to. I guess I'm probably a libertarian on, on this issue because to right. me, it's up to you. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to go through that and you say, I'm done, that's your prerogative. Right. And it should be. And yet culturally, uh, religiously say, Oh no, no So it's not us for up to us to decide that. Right. And I just, I don't believe that. Hmm. I really don't. I want to go back to something you said, which is, or... or Something uplifting. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Because I was thinking about you and Mike sharing your lives and your business together. And I think some couples, having not done that, in the abstract would say, I can never do that. I I don't want to spend that much time with anyone. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you guys do to make that work? Was it hard to – did you kind of have a separation of church and state or was it all just sort of part of the mix? And how, how did you make that successful without burning out on one another? You know, I've been asked that before um, and I still don't really have an answer for it. I, I think it depends on the personalities. It depends on the security each person has in themselves. Hmm. I, um, I wasn't looking at Mike to validate me as a person. 
and he wasn't looking at me to validate him as a person. I think that helped a lot. Right. You know, I was I was very young when we we met, and so um, I don't know if that helped the dynamic or not. But um, I think I have a pretty clear understanding of who I am and what I stand for. He did too. Right. And I think we were fortunate that that those blended well. But um, I didn't need to, as I went already said, I needed his validation as my friend, as my business partner, et cetera. Yeah. I didn't need his validation to make me feel like I was worthy. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a critical aspect for any relationship. If if you get in a relationship and you think that they're going to make you whole because <laughs> you're, you're damaged goods, I, I don't think that ever works out very well. Generally, no. I, I I would suspect. Yeah. So I think, I think that was part. I think um, we were both whole people coming together, and we didn't expect to become a different person, or we weren't expected to become a different person because we were in this relationship. Uh, okay. And I actually think that's an important thing for friendship. I think the most important gift in life is friendship, and that was another aspect. We were really good friends. Yeah, and and I I absolutely believe that friendship is the most important thing in life. And if you can be friends that clearly understand your ups and downs, good, bad, at everything, and you can laugh at it and scream at it if you need to and <laughs> right. whatever, and you're still friends, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And what's remarkable to me is when I spoke to Mike. Uh, in episode one, we we touched on his three lifetime achievement awards. Mm-hmm. You have carved a very successful career for yourself as well. I mean, chairman of National PRSA, you know, working on award winning campaigns up and down uh, the the roster and industries uh, that you've done. Mm-hmm. The things that you've done have been related to Mike, but different. I mean, the two of you. I remember working at MGA and Mike was leader of most of my accounts. So I had, I had more account experience with Mike than I did mm-hmm. with you. Um, but you two would approach projects differently. You had different areas of strength. And to the end that you said you complimented each other very nicely, that was true. And what was remarkable is how differently you know two folks could approach the same type of account mm-hmm. from very different mindsets. And it's a testament to being confident in who you are and what your abilities mm-hmm. are. Which I would imagine, and you'd have a better sense of this, was a good thing and a bad thing because mm. there could be a yin and a yang there. And, and uh, Mike and I didn't work on a lot of accounts together purposely. Mm. Uh, not because you couldn't work together, but um, why would you put your senior people both on the <laughs> right. And then as, as the arsenal got so big, that needed his attention most every day and so everything else fell to me which is fine sure because i used him like the other staff i would go and say let me tell you what's happening here let me tell you what i'm thinking what do you think so i used him as a sounding board too whether he was on the account or not Mm. so that was extremely helpful sure because as you might recall i oftentimes have to talk my way through a solution and yes he was patient enough that I could kind of skip over some stuff that I didn't think was all that important and, and uh, get to what I thought was important. And if, it, if I'd missed something, he'd take me backward. But, um, but that worked pretty well. Yeah. I, I mean, given, given the track record of MGA, I would say that it absolutely did. Mm-hmm. 
which is remarkable. What what pieces of, of Mike do you carry most with you still? Well, I'd have to say, because everybody else says it, his laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's an easy way to put it. Right. But within that, that laughter, I know what else was, what that reflected inside. And so I'd probably mm-hmm. carry that, that, um, that sense of kindness and generosity. Um, he was a lot nicer than I was, or I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a very kind person. And, um, so that, and, uh, I look at my dog and pretend it's Mike. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Not that the dog looks like Mike, I have to understand, <laughs> but, no. but I think that that's what I care. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's a beautiful thing. You know, I mean that it, I didn't know how you were going to answer, but that is probably, uh, as, as great a Testament as you could write to someone. Um, all the things that manifest in that booming laugh that everyone remembers mm-hmm. and that was brought up at the, uh, the celebration of life that we had, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that, that was, that was first and foremost on everyone's mind. But what I think it leads to is exactly what you said, what that laugh contained. Uh huh. You know, I'd never articulated that. So thank you for asking the question because, uh, it needed articulation. Yeah. And that's. That's a gift. Yeah. Thanks, John. That's <laughs> what we do here. Want to be my grief counselor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this in this in a way is its own form of grief counseling. Well, and that's one of the reasons I agreed to it. I thought, you know what? Um, I'm not afraid to talk about these things. And, and But is it easy? No. I wasn't quite sure what it would be like. But um, but it's good. Yeah. And, you know, as you know full well, not lots of really good things in life aren't easy so yeah that's true yeah how's it been how, how have you felt talking talking this out with me on the mics um good anxious um sad a little bit of everything huh yeah which was mike <laughs> you know think about him and I, I think you know this but um the one person that never appreciated what he was really about and the gifts he gave was him really yeah was he hard on himself? Mm-hmm. Are you hard on yourself? Not in the way he was. Okay. Mm-mm. What What do you mean? Can you dig into that a little He's bit? Very insecure. Really? Mm-hmm. I think that would surprise a lot of people who oh, knew yeah. Mike. I'm sure it would. And, and the accolades of... Um, yeah, he'd kind of slough it off. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, not to get maudlin about this whole thing, but, you know, he had a difficult childhood. And, right. And he was at... He finally told his mother he was going off to boarding school because his mother was married two or three times. Mm-hmm. It sounded like it didn't go all that well. And he was at boarding school for a long time. And I think he, I know he really enjoyed that. And that was an important part of his life. But, but he was an only child. And I think, you know, having a lot of siblings, I don't know what that's like. So, but I, I could look at him and think, you know, I'm lucky to have siblings because I have built in friends. Right. And we are friends, and that's another lucky thing. Not all siblings are friends, but well, and and you've got a, a shorthand with them about shared experiences. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. I and and so you can talk about this stupid thing that happened, and you're laughing your heads off, and everyone's looking at you like, "What's funny about are, that?" Are they even speaking English? Yeah, like, exactly. And Mike didn't have that, and I, there was a sadness in him huh. that uh, that never went away. That's, I mean, it could be one of the reasons I related to Mike is because I'm also an only child. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't have any siblings yeah. either. 
so he used to, especially during like account meetings, he used to really bust my balls. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone told me, you know, that's, that's a form of affection. He doesn't do that with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm like, yeah, but you know, sometimes it makes me uncomfortable cause he's my mm-hmm. boss. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the leader and <laughs> we're talking about my profession and I, I don't think he necessarily saw it that way. So eventually I learned to sort of yeah. take it, but, um, for a while it was tough for me. Yeah. I could see that, but, um, you should take it as a form of flattery because Mike didn't do that to people. He didn't either want to take the time to do it or wanted to pay attention to. Hmm. And as you described it, I just, just occurred, I never thought about this, but he could be very much like an older brother yeah, and kind of knock you around. <laughs> yeah. He used to, and, uh, he, not, he, not physically of course, but, but yeah, you know, kind of pull your chain and, and, uh, either to make you laugh or make you think a little bit differently Yeah, or, make you squirm a little bit. Uh-huh, he, little he, bit. he loved to twist the knife on me about certain things. And, uh, it was, I don't know. I didn't know how to deal with it at the time. I, in retrospect, I, I was probably a little too sensitive in my twenties yeah. to things like that. Yeah. But I reflect, I think back on it fondly now, yeah. oddly enough. Well, I think one of the things about Mike in particular, um, and again, you, you have a much better sense of this, whether it's true or not than I do, but there was a family aspect to MGA, mm-hmm. which can be a good thing and a bad thing. And it was both. Mm-hmm. It made it much more difficult to uh, manage staff size. Mm. Um, we weren't always as mindful about that purely from business purposes. Sure. Purely that, from like a cash flow perspective, right. right? You know, we thought we'll get business and these people could stay here and we don't want to get new people. We like these people. And so we'll yeah. just, we'll muddle through. Right. And you know, a lot of that was, I think Mike had always been looking for family and found it and hmm. he's going to slog through and keep the family together. And, and, um, so that's what we did. Is that why I wept when I, uh, turned in my letter of resignation? Maybe. Could be. I don't know. I felt not everybody felt that way when they left, but uh. well, no, but I, I did just because, I mean, as I said, the experience I got there, I learned so much so quickly yeah. and it, it provided the foundation for a lot of what I do today. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, and that's a huge testament to you yeah. and Mike and cricket. And I mean, we haven't mentioned yeah. cricket yet. You know, oddly enough, Mike, um, Mike's approach, Mike's demeanor and the way he worked didn't work for everybody. Right. I um, could see that. There are a number of people, I, I won't name their names, but it just didn't work. And there were times that I found him incredibly frustrating. But um, I'm sure, absolutely sure, he found me really frustrating sometimes too. So, and that's part of life. That's partnership, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, as I said, um, it was a great run. Yeah. I cannot, you know, whatever is coming down the road, um, I've had a great run, so. Well, it's not over yet. Complain. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you never know what tomorrow holds, but no, you don't. It's one of those things. Talking this out with you, it's this is a cliche, so please forgive me for dropping a cliche right in your lap. But don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. Absolutely. And absolutely. I mean, that is that is one thing. I'm happy Mike was my first episode. I'm incredibly thrilled and very grateful that you're willing to be on my, my third anniversary. And I'm glad that it happened. 
I'm glad that our yeah. lives intersected yeah. in the way that they did. No, I totally agree with that. That doesn't mean you aren't going to be sad because you are. Right. And sadness is not a negative thing necessarily. It's it's not easy. Have you seen the movie Inside Out? Yes. Pixar? Yes. Sadness, as it turns out, is the most important emotion. Mm-hmm. That is, and this is a cliche too, that is such a profound movie. It's incredible. <laughs> In a very weird way. And I've, everybody I know that saw it or has seen it says the same thing. And even the reviews, it was like, you'd read the reviews and you go, what is what? this? <laughs> right. And then we watched this movie. And I, I knew a lot of people who had seen it before I did. So I'd heard all these different things about it. And you're sitting there watching this thing and going, oh, my gosh. I need to put this in my pocket and keep it forever and come yeah. back and visit it a whole bunch. Well, thankfully, it's my two-year-old's favorite movie right now. And so we watch it. I cry every time. It's, I can't. That, you know, I need to watch that again because I saw it whenever – it came out and that's been a while, but that would be a good thing to a good process thing. Yeah. I put guess. it back on. Well, I think one of the sad things about Americans is, um, you don't like to show emotion mm-hmm. and we'll laugh our heads off. That's okay. But, but you certainly can't laugh in certain places right? because it's inappropriate. Right. Which laughter should never be inappropriate, <laughs> but the rest of it, particularly for men, I guess. And even now for women in business, I mean, crying is a sign of weakness. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. It's a sign of incredible emotion, and it could be lots of different emotion. Sure. Well, and, and, and there's a cliche that says crying is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being strong for too long. Oh, that's a good one. That's not bad, right? As I long thought, as we're trading I cliches. I thought you were going to go a different way. I thought you were going to say that crying is a, a, a show of strength because you have enough confidence in yourself that you can, you can reveal that part of you, and you're not afraid. Well, it depends on... That depends on why you're crying, I suppose, huh? Well, and it, it depends on your view of, of sadness. Well, I do think for men, for men, if you can comfortably cry in front of people, I think it is a sign of strength. Because I think, and, and I can see it in myself, that don't cry, don't cry, because you don't want people to see you cry. And um, that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's such a... I think, honestly, it's the most powerful emotion we've got. Sure. Even more than a really good, hearty belly laugh. And I think particularly in, in our profession, understanding emotion and how it drives things is critical. There's a school of thought that says every decision you make is made on an emotional level. Oh, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. And, and I think that oftentimes in, in communications and public relations, et cetera, et cetera, we keep talking about strategy and talk about it in, in business terms. And we don't step back and say, well, we're mad at these people because they, they're, they're against us. But we don't step back and say, well, what are they feeling? Right. I mean, they're really, truly frightened. Yeah. And you can say, well, they shouldn't be. Well, they are. And that's the other thing about emotions is, and, and I've known this a very long time, never, ever, ever tell someone they shouldn't feel something. No. They have what they have, so find out what it is and deal with it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then... Work with them. Sit. Don't sit across the table at them and lob grenades at them. Come around to the same side of the table yeah. as them and say, let me get in your world. Let me understand what you're feeling. Yeah. And now let's walk together yeah. to the place where maybe this is less scary or yeah. this is less, you know, th- this is something that you're no longer yeah. angry about or right. sad about. Or even if I still be angry or sad or whatever, if, if I at least had a hand extended to say, I want to understand better. 
I, I can't tell you that I will agree with you, mm-hmm. but I do want to understand better where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, when we started with the Arsenal, we had a, and we were working with Manville on the asbestos issue. Right. Um, so, so you're working <laughs> on chemical weapons and asbestos mm-hmm. and fracking. <laughs> you, you are fun su- career. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was? What Everybody was should have stuck those special events or special. Uh, movie premieres and stuff? Yeah, movie premieres. Oh, God, those were the worst. So, but what's funny is, what what was the common knock on MGA? Gloomy clients? Yeah, gloom and doom. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but there was a phrase. I can't remember what it was. Oh, mostly gloomy. Yeah. <laughs> mostly a, gloomy account? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually was true during that period, because we were doing a lot of work around hazardous waste cleanup and... Yeah. Crisis. And, uh, and crisis and whatnot. You know, I... I, there's still a little boy from Leadville in me. And hmm. I look back and think, wow, back when I was staring at the Mosquito Range, run, run, wondering what was on the other side of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot waiting for me. Well, it's been a hell of a career so far, Jeff. Yeah. And yep. uh, it's not over yet. I'll tell you what. I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to wrap this up. Okay. What? Um, well, as you know, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> and I normally I'd be inclined to get out a uh, what's your drink these days? Bourbon. Bourbon. Uh, normally I'd be inclined to get out the bourbon, and we could do this all day. But uh, you have other things to do. <laughs> well, that and and you know if you're listening to us, you can get out your own bourbon too. But you, you may be in the car or at the gym or something listening to this. So um, tell you what, uh, where can we find you? Uh, this is the time of the show when we do plugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to plug something. Go ahead and do it now. Where can we find Jeff Julin? Walking my dog in the park probably would be a really good thing. <laughs> but um, Julin Strategic Communications. Dot com. Uh, Julin Strategic dot com. Okay. Forget the communications. I actually tried to shorten the thing from mjcommunications.com, but right. it's still kind of long. But, yeah, Julin Strategic dot com. Nice. All right. Well, that's perfect. Jeff, I'll tell you what. I am intensely grateful for the opportunity to do this, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it, too. Well, I would say the same thing. This really has been therapeutic, and and, um, that means a whole lot to me. Good. Me too, Jeff. Well, thank you very much, and continued success to you. And we got through without a box of Kleenex. That's a miracle for me. (laughs) (laughs) And me as well. I'm a crier. Me too. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, John. And that brings episode 127 to a close. Wow. What a conversation I had with Jeff Julin. I thought about it all afternoon. I've thought about it ever since. And I'm just very, very grateful. Jeff, thank you for sitting down with me. Thanks for sharing some Mike's stories, sharing what it's like to go through this. And uh, you know what? I wish you continued success, and I can't wait till our paths cross again. Let's make an intention. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M. Four Degrees is our sponsor, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you want to do on the web, Four Degrees can help you do it in an optimal fashion at a price that's very, very attractive. So check them out, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. There's two more episodes to check out. I've created a special category on the site. So if you go to episodes on the John of All Trades website, J-O-N of All Trades dot U-S, there's a pull-down menu, and all three of the three-year anniversary episodes will be right there. So you can listen to all three of them in succession. They're all mini-episodes, so they're not as long as a standard John of All Trades episode. And I think you'll enjoy hearing about what my guests are up to. It's fun to revisit them. It's fun to catch up with them. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed putting it together for you. 
social media is J-O-A-T-Pod. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest. Two other episodes for you to explore, and then I believe we'll be back here next week. So thank you for being a part of the three-year anniversary. Until I see you back here, what today, right? Say goodnight. That's good, Johnny.